Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Day After Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Day after, means Buck Sanders. That means Jason Staples. And as I call my stats up, I see 45 Notre Dame, 32 North Carolina Buck. Um, we had a right lengthy discussion off air trying to decide how to make this podcast worthwhile to our listeners. Uh, but I'm going to start like we always do. Your overall thoughts on what you saw in Keenan Stadium, 3.30 yesterday, uh, under a – Absolute picture-perfect football weather game. Absolutely. It, I think pretty much a lot of people have had the same thoughts. Um, if you've watched Taylor's take on the game and uh, Taylor Vipolis and some other people, I think most of us have had the same thoughts, which is we've had some questions answered by this game, right? You know, we, we've all asked ourselves, does the offensive line – is there a chance it's going to come together and, and be decent this year? Well, the answer we have right now is cloudy and not a chance in hell. Uh, and so, you know, we got, we're getting some answers uh, about this team right now. And the second thing is defense. Are, are they going to be able to you know, field a decent defense? Well, if giving up less than 500 yards is in your wheelhouse for good defense, they might get there this year. Um, but you know, those are two things that we know that the defense is not very good. The offensive line is not very good. And Drake may is phenomenal. Um, and Jason and I were talking off air and one of the things that was critical in this game that did not materialize was the running game. Uh, North Carolina has not been good running the ball this year for the most part. They've had some games where they had some pretty decent yardage, but a lot of times those came on 70-yard runs and the like. But they, they weren't able to run the ball against uh, Notre Dame. That put a lot more pressure on Drake May, uh, who's on track to have 64 touchdowns this year. <laughs> uh, <geez. laughs> um, and four interceptions, 64 TDs, four picks. A um, few too many fumbles, though. Yeah, a few too many fumbles. 
And, you know, he people would say, well, you know, he had that against some lesser competition. He had five against Notre Dame. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's got huge numbers of weapons, really, in, in the wide receiver core. Antoine Green came in and looked like Julio Jones on his best day ever. Um, so, you know, we got a really good quarterback, some real good weapons catching the ball, can't run the ball. Bad defense and the offensive line is not very good. So, if you want takeaways, that's mine. Jason, I said, and I thought it had to be on Drake May's shoulders. I didn't think Carolina would run the ball against Notre Dame. Uh, 66 total yards. Uh, May leads the way there with 36. Marion Hampton, just 28. George Petaway, who we all thought would have a good game in some form. Maybe they would scheme to get him some touches in space uh, negative two yards rushing and one catch for three yards uh we got a lot to talk about um i said before the show started i'd I'd like to do it in a way that we're not just sitting here yelling at clouds but i tell you what there's plenty to yell about if you're a carolina football fan trying to watch this team play but your your general takes and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty yeah i I think the first takeaway here is I wish I were surprised. Um, I mean, and in some ways, that's actually the, the, both the bad and the good news. I think it's more good news than bad in the sense that we didn't see anything against Notre Dame that we've not seen all year. This, is, this has been the same Carolina team that we've seen all year. And it's a Carolina team that was 3-0 coming into this game. So, you know, I think that Notre Dame team is, is the best team that, that Carolina will play this year. Uh, and that game still doesn't change my outlook for the season for this North Carolina team, which is that this is a team that should contend to win the Coastal. I still think this is a team that, that has every opportunity to go out there and win eight games or more. There's some things they absolutely need to clean up that got further exposed by Notre Dame, but I'm not sure how many teams on the schedule can do can line up and do to them some of the things that Notre Dame did. And, you know, if you want the real good news from the, uh, from the day, you know, just take a look around the coastal. <laughs> look what happened to Miami, or look, look what happened to Miami against middle Tennessee state, which that game, by the way, 45, 31 was not a fluke. Middle Tennessee state averaged 8.3 yards per play and held Miami to, to 4.1. So coming out of this game, coming out of this day, yeah, you know, you'd like to see Carolina play a lot better against Notre Dame. But do you really feel worse about Carolina's chances of, say, beating Miami after what happened yesterday? Hmm. I don't. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. There's still some, some bodies on this roster that can, can clean some of those things up. So, you know, the question is whether or not they're going to get some of that stuff fixed to be able to to continue to improve enough because teams have to improve over the course of the season to be able to beat some of the teams that they still should beat. So, you know, I think they've got to get better on the line of scrimmage. Everything Buck said about running the football and, and having Notre Dame run the football on you. I mean, Notre Dame had 51 carries for 287 yards and, you know, not including sack yardage, what 5.9 yards per, per rush. I think it was looking at it now. Uh, yeah, not including sack yards, 5.9 yards per rush. Uh, that, that's not going to get it done. 
And, you know, maybe the most concerning thing for me was not even that. It was that there were, there were signs that guys in that defensive front, and it's not just one. I'm talking about just across the board. There are signs that guys were satisfied with the job that they were doing. Okay, that, that, part's, that part's concerning. That's the part that I look at and I go, mm, like, guys, if you're, if you're happy with how things look across the board, if you feel like you just, you know, as long as you're doing your job or whatever, and yeah, I want you to commit to doing your job only, but if you feel like, you know, if you're satisfied with anything about what happened last night or yesterday, that, that's more concerning on the defensive side. But I think there's still room to, to feel like this team can do some things in conference. I think that Notre Dame team is better than a lot of people. And I said this coming in, and I, I really – I was so hoping to come into this day after podcast and have to eat a heaping plate of crow. But I was convinced coming in that that was an underrated Notre Dame team, that they – that, you know, they were – that that's a good football team. That's a really good football team that played – Ohio State, who I think is one of the three truly elite programs, maybe four truly elite programs in the country this year, they play. They went toe-to-toe with them for three quarters. That's a good football team, and we saw that. We saw Carolina just not be able to measure up to that, but I don't think there's anybody else on their, on their schedule that is, that's like that Notre Dame team. Buck, that's sort of my thing here, and look, <laughs> Carolina was brutally bad yesterday, and we can talk about it, and to to the point of the discussing will they get better um i guess in the first 4 weeks i know max said uh ask me after game 12 if we got better um but <laughs> you know you start jason used to always say about dots right well, well florida a&m was a dot app state was a dot georgia state was a dot notre dame was a dot so now we're getting a line and a trend and i haven't seen any improvement across the defense there's guys that are playing well Uh, I mean there's guys that make some plays but Buck that's the most concerning thing I think for the fan base for anybody watching is that where have they gotten better this year it ain't sure didn't get better during the bye week and somebody needs to say 87's an all-american somebody might want to (laughs) figure out who that guy is he ran free all day he, the eye discipline in the back seven was so bad. Uh, it was unbelievable to watch. And I sit in 209. I have that that angled view where you can see perfectly. I love that view. And I watched 87 a lot. The dude didn't have anybody violate the COVID space restrictions on him. Hardly at all. All game long. But where's the hope there? I know it's the hope that gets you, and this is a long question, which I'm known to, but but where's the hope for this team to do what Jason mentioned is still possible? You know, the thing that confuses me, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not trying to be cute about this at all, is that I don't understand what they're doing defensively. I don't understand it. If you're sending four guys to get the Notre Dame quarterback, to pressure the quarterback – Against an offensive line that is first class, they got a a really good offensive line. And you're going to send four guys to get a guy, get a quarterback, who I'm not sure maybe Nathan Elliott might be as good a quarterback as this guy. I don't don't know. He's not that good. I, I will never buy the fact that this Drew Pine 
is Joe Montana in disguise has <laughs> been roaming the Notre Dame bench. And he's throwing the football to a cell tower uh, that's just coming down the line wide open. <laughs> cell tower. What chance do you have of stopping that, right? I mean, if you're going to send four guys that are going to do nothing but just get pushed around, uh, you know, on the offensive line, they're never going to get close to the quarterback. The only times they ever got close to him is when they sent Power Eccles on a blitz. Well, here's an idea. Maybe do that a little more often, you know, maybe more than once or twice a game. Send five guys instead of four. You, you might have to pay for it on the back end, but how could it be worse than what you're seeing now? So that's the thing that, that confuses me is I just don't know what they're doing defensively. What are we doing here, Jason? What are they doing defensively? Like I mentioned about Mayer, uh, he was literally wide open every all day, maybe, maybe a couple times. He caught seven balls for 88 yards or something. He made some great catches, and one of the catches was he was pretty helpfully covered by, I believe it was Power Eccles. It's just massively outsized there. But let's talk about the back seven. You mentioned eye discipline. We can talk about the front four not getting pressure, but what's happening? There's no press coverage. We talked about that last week. I think your quote was, what's the point? <laughs> so what, what is Gene Chizik and his crowd hoping to accomplish? So – they're, they're, they did. They, did, they actually tried a few things in this game, uh, and what they were trying to do primarily was line up in ways that gave them uh, an extra box defender to try to stop the run. That was their commitment. They were their their concern was less about getting after the quarterback and bringing blitzes to get after the quarterback and that sort of thing, and more about making sure that they had good run fits across the board making sure that that you know you got seven gaps or eight gaps you got to make sure that you're getting guys downhill into those gaps so Notre Dame can't run the football that's what they're trying to do now the deeply concerning thing is that Notre Dame was able to run the football close to at will despite that now as soon as that's the case as soon as you're committing seven and a half I mean I say seven and a half because a lot of times they were in they were in a quarters look or a cover seven look where one of the safeties, if there's a run play, actually is supposed to come downhill on that side and be an eighth run box defender. And if it's a pass, he's he's not. And they actually then hit they, they recognize that. And you got to give Tommy Reese a, a, a tip of the cap because they recognized what Carolina was doing defensively. And if I could have drawn up a game plan to take advantage of some of the problems that I'd seen on the Carolina defense through three games, it couldn't have looked much better than what Tommy Reese did, given what Notre Dame has offensively, where what they did is, you know, there's the one play, the deep, the deep shot that they hit over the top of, of the safety, that deep post. We talk about, we, we talked every year when, whenever Carolina plays Pitt, we talk about po post alert, post alert. <laughs> You're going to have a safety that's going to step up on play action, throw it over his head. You're going to have these big boy post opportunities. Well, Carolina was in that coverage. And they ran the play action. And because they've been able to have success running the football, you got a guy step up and you got the post right behind him. You got no shot, put the ball on location. It's touchdown, same stuff. So that tells you a little bit about what they're trying to do defensively. The problem is if you're going to do that stuff, if you're going to commit to that sort of thing, you have to be able to stop the run well enough 
to compensate for that. And 5.9 yards per rush and a 60% rushing success rate on the day for Notre Dame. That means Notre Dame, when they ran the ball, got the amount of yardage that they would want to running the football for down and distance 60% of the time in this game, as opposed to Carolina 32%. Uh, that means that what they're trying to do in that wasn't very successful. They, they weren't getting wins at the point of attack on, on the, on the defensive line and with the linebackers. And then that really started messing with the linebackers eyes. So, you know, you mentioned power Eccles Eccles had a really rough day. Uh, and I mean, he, he, after he watches the film, he, he'd tell you the same thing because there were so many times where Eccles basically was, trying to come downhill to his gap and then you see his responsibility who's Michael Mayer running across his face going the opposite direction and again this is an example of the offense taking advantage of being able to be balanced where it looks like it's going to be say zone or counter right and what are you doing you're leaking the the tight end across the the eyes across the 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 responsibility of the guy who's responsible for that gap on the front side well now you're going to try to pull pull a guy across him and beat him backside and by the time he's stepped toward his gap the tight ends already passed him going the other direction and now he's running behind him those are tough responsibilities they they put linebackers and safeties in conflict all day and carolina's defenders first of all the the defensive line wasn't able to to create enough havoc themselves to allow some of those back seven guys to to be to focus a little bit more on the pass and then the back seven guys were so eager to try to to help against the run that they they ended up getting some uh, getting in those conflicts and and weren't able to cover so it's a tough situation I do think you know you'd like to see maybe some other other things from the defense but I think it's really hard when your, when your defensive line is not creating havoc against a team like this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make everything else hard, no matter what you do. If you commit to you know, blitzing guys and all of that, you're, you're always going to be in, in, in a tougher situation when you're, when you're getting beat up front. The one positive, and there is one defensively in terms of all of this, is Notre Dame in power rushing. So these are, these are short yardage situations where – you know, it's a third and one or third and two, uh, and they need to get two yards. In power rushing, they were actually only three for 11 on the day, 27. So their, their, their success rate when things were normal was 60%, but their success rate in power scenarios was only 12 or was only 27%, which is not, it's not ideal. It's not great. You'd like that to be zero, but realistically against that team, it's not going to be. 27%, you know, getting wins on eight out of 11 short yardage situations in the running game. I actually think that does show some growth from Carolina up front and in the running game. So maybe if there's a silver lining defensively, it might be that, but not good enough on the standard downs. They were able to run at will otherwise. And, you know, that was that. So basically when they knew they were running, when Carolina absolutely knew they were running, Carolina could hold up against it. But if there yeah. was any, if there were any doubts in there, that's when they just they worked the Carolina defense. On a couple of those uh, short yardage situations, they had Travis Shaw in there, mm -hmm. 
and and he it, the ones that I noticed there was the two or three that they had Shaw in there. He just stoned the middle of that line. Nobody yes, was he getting did. past him. That that fourth so, and one stop was a great yes. example of that. I mean, he if you go back and you look at that that offensive guard that he's up against, or I think it was the guard. I don't think it was the center. The guard is about a half a yard into the backfield <laughs> on yeah. that play. Yeah, it was going nowhere. The the one thing I'll take exception with Jason, which I almost never do, is um, Tommy Reese being a terrific offensive coordinator. I, I think the jury is still out on that because if whatever play you call works, <laughs> then everybody's going to look pretty good. Call the run, it works. Call the pass, it works. Go deep, go short, go medium, do whatever you want to do. You're going to look good. I mean, North Carolina, we talk about this all the time in the past, that teams try to make the other team left-handed. You know, take take away from them the thing they like to do the best and, and then just hammer them on it and then let them do the other things that they don't do as well uh, because they're not going to do them as well. And in this game and, and in every other game so far this year, which is why I asked the question, what are we doing on defense? North Carolina's not making any choices on defense. They're, they're allowing teams to do whatever they want to do. Um, and just, uh, that's how it is. I, I see that Dr. Strangelove has a comment. He wants to get in here. So have at it. Yeah. I, I, I think that point is absolutely dead on. And, and, this is where I did find myself at different points during the game frustrated with what the Carolina defense was, what, what, the, what, what Chizik and, and, the, and the staff were asking them to do in the sense that I found myself saying, okay, what are you trying to, what, what are you trying to force them not to be able to do? <laughs> like, what, what are, where are you dictating to the offense? Because I did, I saw none of that. Uh, and this is where if you are giving up 5.9 yards a rush, and there was that one drive where, uh, where Notre Dame ran the football 12 straight times down the field for a touchdown. They didn't pass. When a team's doing that to you, at a certain point, I, 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 think, I, I think it's worth saying, okay, look, if we can't, if we can't force them – to not be able to do anything, then we're 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 going to have to change our uh, our approach. If they're going to if they're going to line up and just run the ball here, then go nine in the box, play zero coverage. And you know this is where I think Buck, you and I are in agreement of if they're going to pound you like that, then you know what, just line up one on one on the on the outside. And if your corner gets beat for a big play, then you know you got the ball back for your offense. Same result. And, you know, you know, let's, let's make this into a, into a track meet, but, you know, definitely don't just let them, you know, kill you by slow death the whole way down the field because you're trying to play balanced on defense. So I think that's where your point is absolutely dead on that in terms of Carolina's approach, it's not clear to me that they've decided that they, that they're trying to take anything away from anybody. They're trying to be good across the board and, you know, we're going to, line up and we're going to try to go seven and a half in the box here, line up and be sound defensively. 
and then try not to give up big plays on the, on the passing game while also having some extra run support instead of, okay, look, you're lining up and pounding us in the running game. We're going to put nine in the box, play zero, and we're not going to let you do that one thing. And if you do this other thing, then we'll tip the cap. I don't see much of that, which is really my preferred way of, of playing defense. Uh, and that, that I think might be the most frustrating thing about what we saw in terms of the defensive side. Yeah, that estimate, he just estimated how many yards he wanted <laughs> per carry. And at, if they had nine in a box, it, and when he had, when he built up a little bit of a head of steam, it took four guys to bring him down. Uh, they just weren't getting him to the ground with just one guy. So had they, if they had nine in the box, then maybe he would have just averaged uh, six yards a carry. Uh, but do something. I mean, literally, I, I wasn't being facetious. Tommy Reese could not make a bad call in this game. Whatever he chose to do worked. Uh, and, and that, I think, was more about North Carolina's defense than it was his brilliance as an offensive coordinator. Well, when, when, the, when the first thing that you're doing, when, you're, when your right-handed stuff is working, then you can cross over to the left hand, right? When, you, when, when your crossover is also working, then you, can pull, then you can pull the step back, right? There's all sorts of things. But if you force a guy to go left – then at least you, you, you've, you've limited some of that. And I think that's the thing. What, what I saw was Reese was able to complement, you know, the early success that they had on some things with all that other stuff. And, you know, it was just continuing to keep Carolina's defense off balance on, okay, well, we've had success doing this. Now we're going to build with this complementary thing into that other thing. And it was, it was consistently the right thing at the right time. But I think your point's exactly right. And, and, Again, I think that's been the most frustrating thing about watching Carolina's defense all year has been the willingness to just kind of die a slow death while not forcing the issue and not dictating and not playing aggressive football uh, on that side of the ball and not forcing an offense. I mean, I, I think so much of football and so much of the mentality that you want to instill in your team on both offense and defense is you want to be the one dictating to the other team what they can and can't do. And Carolina has been content defensively to be dictated to and to try to respond to that. And it's not gone so well. That, that you nailed it right there. They've been content to do that. That's the thing I've always said is make a decision, right? The, the, the roads are littered with squirrels that could not make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That sounds like one of mine, uh, Tommy. <laughs> you can use it. I will. I will All right, I got that in the bank. <laughs> Retirement's been good to you, Tommy. <laughs> is, uh, but my thing is, is to your point, Jason, is Notre Dame didn't do anything differently than they've done all year. I've watched the Ohio State game. I watched most of the Marshall game, and I watched a little bit of the Cal game. They didn't do anything they do differently. They just lined up and did, like you said, what they wanted to do. I wholeheartedly agree um, with the point of just load the box and put your corners out there. Tony Grimes and Storm Duck, you want to you wanna be good? Here's your chance. Man up on your guys. Somebody, for God's sake, cover the best tight end in the country, <laughs> even if you're in his area. Well, and, I actually think Bowers work. is better, but that's my personal preference. Uh, it's close. It's two different type guys. Mayor's as a, as a receiver, yeah. As a receiver, yeah. Bowers is a is a more dangerous threat. But as a as a you know traditional kind of inline blocker plus everything else, Mayor's probably the best you know 
total package. There were some times in blocking, it was comical watching him. You know, he's blocking, you know, your, uh, your, your nickel and some of these other guys. And, I, you know, I was watching, you know, going back and looking at replay stuff of like, why in the world? Oh, that's why that, 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 that seam got opened is you had a guy that was 190 pounds lined up, you know, responsible for this gap and a 265 pound guy who can move is the one blocking him. Well, yeah, that that's going to open up a seam now. And the Sorry, fact I that didn't they need to distract you, Tommy, you were making a point. Or Tommy, something. the fact well, that they like... stayed in nickel. It reminded I mean, me of the dime coverage when Miami in the Fedora era, <sighs> Miami was in power run on the goal line and Carolina was in dime. That reminded me of that. I mean, that that's the thing is we can talk about the physicality of it. Notre Dame's got grown men. The mayor's a grown man. Their offensive line, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the same thing they've heard for years about this, which is – that's another point. Has Carolina not developed that to be able to combat that? But to your point, Jason, and I think that's the takeaway from this game is they did nothing different. We can talk about the players not performing. That's on the coaches, right? 100%. And, and to, to that point, if I could jump in here real quick, the thing I thought about, um, you know, Jason brought up the Miami game. And we, we sit around and we talk about, well, you know, the Notre Dame, they have a different quality of athlete on the offensive line. They're all four- and five-star guys and this, that, and the other. They're out-talenting North Carolina at that point. You think Middle Tennessee State had more four- and five-star people on their roster than Miami sure looked like it <laughs> it they didn't the answer to that question is no they did not but um they outplayed them and that's happened how many times so far this season I mean it almost happened in North Carolina twice Georgia State and Appalachian State neither one of those teams have anything close to the if you consider recruiting to have any relevance at all in terms of uh, rankings and so forth. They just don't have the talent that North Carolina does. But somebody is responsible for communicating to these players a job that needs to be done and is also responsible for motivating them and uh, instilling in them work habits and um, all those kinds of things. That's what they're paid to do. That's why they are coaches is to do those things. And, you know, a team like Middle Tennessee State comes into Miami, drinks their milkshake, and laughs on the way out. They're getting paid, I don't know what, how much they paid them to come down and play. I'm guessing, you know, between a half million and a million, at least, to come down there and whoop them in Miami. Um, so what is that all about? What is, how did Middle Tennessee pull that off? Coaching is how they pull that off. And... So when we start talking about the, you know, impact of coaching and we're ready to give, um, you know, some slack to people because North Carolina doesn't have the offensive line that uh, Notre Dame has, well, there's a reason for that. And let's look at it and do something about it instead yeah, of and, doing the same thing over and over again. Well, in terms of, of athletes, I mean, North Carolina the last three years has not been all that far behind Notre Dame in terms of, of quality of players that they've recruited. Well, I mean, they moved up this year. Uh, there's only six spots difference. They're 10th 
and overall team ranking, uh, team talent, and North Carolina 16, according to 24-7. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's 19, right. In 19, they were a big gap there. Yeah, that's, that's you know, that's mean. that means they're in basically a comparable talent tier. Now, Carolina's talent is a little younger. Uh, but the thing is, Notre Dame, and we talked about this last year when, when, when they played Notre Dame and the year before, Notre Dame is an established culture that's a program. They've built that program to where that's established when new guy when, when, when they've got new starters for a new year. Those guys are replacing old starters who did things the right way, who bought into the specific culture of the program, and you know they play a certain way. And they, I mean, Notre Dame has a clear brand of football. Say what you play. will about Notre Dame, that's on point right there. Yeah, they have a clear brand of football, and they're going to play their game, and they're going to do it really well. Uh, I'm just, you know, and, and I think so far that the, the frustrating thing is that Carolina has a clear brand of football at this point in the Mac Brown era. And that is that they're going to play, they're, they're going to, they're going to make some numbers change on offense, but defensively, you do not see the level of physicality, the chip on the shoulder kind of uh, play between the whistles. You see plenty of chips on the shoulder after the whistle. Uh, and, you don't see defenses that are dictating to the other team. You see a lot of, of catching and uh, that's frustrating. And, and, you know, thinking about what, you know, what would you do differently against Notre Dame to be totally honest, the, 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 the thing that, that I would point to first and foremost, aside from cultural issues, which I think there's some culture problems on defense. I mean, you could see that with one player going, you know, basically almost coming to blows with the teammate, and more than one teammate, you know, basically trying to pull this pull, pull players apart. That that shows you some some locker room issues there. But then, yeah, I know it's heat of battle, and you're you're frustrated that you're getting beaten all that. But still, um, when I look at what you you know, what could they have done differently? Well, you know, how about lining up with some of the the five defensive line uh, packages that we saw last year? Now, look, last year's defense wasn't wasn't any wasn't a whole lot better, right? But this is to your point, Buck, you know, okay, what you're doing right now is not working. You have a nickel package in against standard personnel and they are, they, they, they are putting big bodies out there and they are just leaning on you. You've got to get other big bodies out there to force them to do something else. And I think, you know, replacing a, a nickel with an extra, extra big body up front and seeing what you can do there, you know, maybe playing single high out of that. Yeah, you know, you maybe give up a couple big plays out of, as a result. But you know what? You're still giving up touchdowns either way. So that's the stuff that, you know, I, I agree. I agree with both of you. They've got to figure out how to get personnel on the field to be able to, to, to stop teams from just being able to run the football and do what they want. When it's not working, you've got to have a second – you've got to have an adjustment in the pocket of, okay, if we can't stop them this way, then here's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's the to that point is is you know if you get beat, I think Miami gave up four or five seventy five plus yard plays, um, but those are the type plays. Okay, you got me right. Those t- <laughs> those ten those ten twelve uh, play drives where they run it down your gut. Those are the soul taking drives, right? That's what leads to dudes fighting on the sidelines when you can't do anything and the man's just. He's toe-to-toe with you, and he's whipping your butt. 
that's that's what happens when you want to fight everybody out there. I, I mean, that's just that. And Carolina had two weeks to get ready for Notre Dame. Mac Brown has been awful on the bye weeks, but we mentioned it on the pregame show. Have they come close? Notre Dame's been now three of them, I believe. Two weeks to prepare for a Notre Dame team that's going to come in. We talked about Drew Pine's terrible this and that. They're going to run the football, and they did exactly what they wanted to do with no adjustments. And we can talk about simple tweaks, but Jason, to your point, DeAndre Boykins is a good player. He is. He has no shot against a guy 50 and 60 pounds heavier than him. Um, when he has to go try to block him or, or eat up a block or make a play on him or cover him. It just doesn't work. And then you have all these defensive linemen that we've heard about ad nauseum sitting over there watching the four that are on the field getting worked. That's on the coaches, period. Whether it's Chiswick, it's ultimately Mack, Cross, Blythe, Thigpen, whoever you want to throw in the mix. Charlton Warren's got to be wondering what he's gotten himself into. Uh, you know, I don't know. I want to talk about something positive, and we're going to do that because I can't start Sunday mornings off all negative. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a good day. So you so want to I'm talk gonna, about Drake May? We're going to talk about Drake May, but first I'm going to talk about Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Mm. And what was I wearing yesterday there, Tommy? I was I was going there. Buck Sanders right. repping the uh, the nice little. Uh, the soft shirt. I don't know what kind of the material. Vintage. Is the vintage. We'll call it vintage with the old school Ram on it. Uh, saw a lot of that in Bowles parking lot. A lot of the old school stuff. Johnny T-shirts got you handled, man. They they do a fabulous job of having in stock and having available stuff that Carolina people want. A lot of people like the old school Ram. We want to talk about some old school defense. Go get you some old school Johnny T-shirt. Uh, gear with the old school logos on it they take care of every sport not just football basketball the jerseys are in for the nil jerseys on basketball armando baycott walking around doing his wells fargo thing in the bowls lot uh, with a red jersey on there's got to be a blue logo for wells fargo out there somewhere but johnny t-shirt has everything blue covered go see him on franklin street order it online they take care of you if you're a premium subscriber which you have to be at this point 10% off your order. National Guys Pay the Bills audio. This is the day after. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back day after podcast. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. And of course, the aforementioned Johnny T shirt. Let's talk about something positive. I will not get out of this podcast all completely negative. I've got too much negativity in my life um, when we're talking about the defense. But you mentioned it earlier. Drake May is on pace for 64 touchdowns. <laughs> 
Um, and four picks. Don't forget the four picks. Sixty four and four. Um, I'm glad I took the over on the thirty touchdowns for the uh, year. Yeah, really. probably a good move. <laughs> uh, he has moved up to twenty second. Did you say all time? Twenty second. Yeah, he passed Chris Kupek on the career touching uh, passing touchdown list. Um, tied with now with Nick Vitovic. Uh, um, with the 17, uh, career touchdowns. So he's 22nd all time now after four games. We mentioned the fumble and that fumble was a killer there. Um, start the second half, but Buck, this guy is running for his life or he's got pressure on most plays. He rarely makes a bad decision, um, four games into his career. Um, just speak to, to May. I mean, I said before the game, it's going to be on Drake May to win it. Um, I didn't think he would have to score 50, but I think that's where we are at this point for Carolina football. Yeah, no, and the, the thing that is really most impressive, I think, uh, we just found out yesterday. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks that can throw four touchdowns and over 300 yards against, you know, Georgia State or Appalachia State or this team or that team. But Notre Dame is not accustomed to, to giving up five passing touchdowns. Um, the, the passes he threw to Anton Green, Green has got to be just ecstatic that he's got Drake May throwing him the football because, you know, he, three catches for 150 yards averages 50 apiece. The fact that, that Drake can do it against a team like um, – Notre Dame and Notre Dame is certainly no slackers when it comes to getting pressure to 99, whoever the heck he is. Uh, I think he was only on the game in on, on three snaps and he got two snacks, uh, sacks out of those. They had defensive line. That was awesome. Um, get pressure on him all the time. And yet he's and no, no picks did not throw a pick five touchdowns over 300 yards. That performance yesterday, I think we can now take off the perhaps label <laughs> um, off of Drake May. I think you know we can for sure say now that Jason was right at the beginning of the year when he said he was a real deal. Uh, if he can do it against Notre Dame, there's nobody he's going to face on our schedule that's going to be tougher than them in terms of um, pass protection. So, And he didn't even play well. That, that's the other thing. I mean, in terms of what he can do, he missed some throws that were just the result of sloppy mechanics. Uh, that fumble was the result of sloppy mechanics, having one, one hand on the ball and instead of two in the pocket in that situation. Different things. If he just cleans up some of the, the fundamentals in, on, in terms of mechanics and other things, there, there, he missed some routine throws in this game that, that he could have made. And I can tell you, he's he's going to watch film and be like, man, I could have thrown for about seven touchdowns in this game because he just had opportunities that he missed. He didn't even play that well. And yet still, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to pull in some something else in terms of uh, of what we saw earlier this year from this Notre Dame defense. This Notre Dame defense played Ohio State again, which just in, in case anybody else, in, in case any of our listeners have not watched Ohio State or have not watched any or are unaware of any football outside of the state of North Carolina, Ohio State's passing game is pretty good. 
right? You got C.J. Stroud, who's, you know, he's a, he's a Heisman contender for a reason. And then you've got the best wide receiver room in the country, you know, by, by a mile. Mm-hmm. The only other receiver room that probably is, is in the same breath right now is Wake Forest, which is just insane to say. Um, but, you know, you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., you've got Egbuka, you've got, you know, uh, uh, JSN, you've got all these guys. And C.J. Stroud was 24 of 34 for 223 yards, 6.6 yards per, uh, per, uh, per I believe, per, per completion is what I'm looking at. Two touchdowns, no picks. That, I mean, it's a respectable outing. But, I mean, they, they held Notre Dame, or Notre Dame held Ohio State's passing game in check. And then you look at North Carolina against them. Drake May, 17 of 32. So, again, some of those misses, that 53% completion percentage, some of those misses are on, 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 uh, on there. But 301 yards and five touchdowns, they, they worked. They did some work on the offensive side. And just like we said, you know, on the other, uh, on the other side of the ball, look, Notre Dame, in terms of being able to lean on you and do what they did offensively, unlike anybody else on the schedule, as far as I can tell this also, this Notre Dame defense, I think I don't see anybody else on the schedule that, that that's of the same quality as Notre Dame defensively. And, you know, to put up those kind of numbers is a big deal. The, the, the big problem is the, the reason you're giving up all the pressure is you can't run the football. They're going to have to find ways to get some balance and to be creative in the, in the running game to get some balance so that May is not basically just having to throw when teams know he has to throw all the whole way. Uh, the more they can, they can get a little bit of balance, the better. But the fact that, you know, and the other big bright spot, Antoine Green, you, you guys already mentioned him, you know, seven targets, a couple of them he probably would say, yeah, I, you know, I, I got my fingertips on it. I'd love to have made that catch. Feels like, you know, he left a couple on the table. But the three that he did make, <laughs> three catches for 150 yards and a long of 80 yards, um, it's pretty clear that he, uh, when he was rehabbing that, uh, or when he was letting that collarbone heal, he, uh, he kept running because he, he didn't, didn't look any step, slower. Did he? <laughs> he didn't lose a step. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of what the wide receiver room looks like now with Antoine Green, Josh Downs back on the field, J.J. Jones made some catches in this game, made a couple big-time catches, uh, and then you you have some of those other players. They're, they've got weapons all over the place. And, you know, I said, well, maybe the only other team that can look like Ohio State in that receiver room, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Notre, maybe uh, Maybe North Carolina – belongs in that same discussion in terms of overall passing game and receiver room after watching this, that, you know, you're looking at that they were, they did a lot more against Notre Dame than Ohio state did in that respect. And, and I think you've got to, uh, you've got to look at that as a huge positive moving on. They have eight receivers that have at least a hundred yards receiving. Wow. Mm, that's four, heavy. Four games into the season, wow. including all three tight ends. Um, that doesn't include any of the running backs. DJ Jones would be the ninth person if if um, he catches another twenty nine yards or whatever. Wow! Uh, but eight so far that have at least a hundred yards. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Uh, 
Nesbitt and Morales only combined for three catches. Copenhaver not on the stat sheet. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to do it. And, and Jason, you mentioned they're going to have to figure out how to run the ball. I, you know, I just say go full out Texas Tech with Pat Mahomes. Um, but anyway, Buck, listen, let's, let's get out of here, but let's talk about what's coming up. I don't get to talk to you. Um, but once during the week on these podcasts, Carolina and Virginia Tech, they announced it this morning, 3.30 in Kenyon Stadium on the ACC Network next Saturday. I said yesterday, and I said all week leading up to it, it was a need win for Carolina yesterday. Um, Carolina needed to do something other than what they did. Uh, but Virginia Tech comes, and I'm going to do my thing. Uh, people already shouting me out on the boards. Carolina has got to win against Virginia Tech on Saturday. That's a bad Virginia Tech team. You've got to take care of business there. Uh, if they if they lose to this Virginia Tech team, then I don't know where it goes from there. I don't I don't I don't think the Titanic can avoid the iceberg if Virginia Tech walks into Kenan Stadium and comes out with the milkshake, like you mentioned, Middle Tennessee State going. <laughs> where where are you there? And people are gonna get mad watching this podcast saying, What are you guys laughing about? And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I can assure you that. I'm laughing because this is a great group to talk Carolina football. Um, but it is uh, – it will get really, really bad if Carolina can't get it done against Virginia Tech. What, what are your pre-week thoughts of of that one coming up next Saturday? Well, I'm going to talk about that one. I'm going to talk about four games. Uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Duke, and Georgia Tech. North Carolina can absolutely not afford to lose any of those games. Those are four games on the schedule where the F-plus ratings for all four of those teams is south of average, like 65th or worse um, in F-plus, which is a combination of S-plus, SP-plus, and uh, F-E-I. Anyway, uh, Virginia Tech is not a very good team. Um, offensively, they are 103rd in the nation, or they were uh, two days ago when I wrote wrote this up. Um, so they they don't have the offense. If if they try to get into a shootout with North Carolina, they're going to lose that shootout. <laughs> uh, so uh, no, no, their defense is decent. It's pretty good. But we've seen North Carolina against a decent defense. I don't think Virginia Tech has a better defense than Notre Dame. So, <laughs> in theory, North Carolina should absolutely beat Virginia Tech. And this year, in particular, I think to sustain the program momentum and get to where uh, North Carolina wants to be, they cannot afford to have one of these uh, oops games that they're so famous for and have been for the last since Mac's been here. Um, so they need to beat Virginia Tech. They need to beat Virginia. They need to beat Duke, and they need to beat Georgia Tech. That gets them to seven wins. If you win those four games, that adds up, doesn't it, fellas? Am I doing yeah, the math no, that's right? right? No, that's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> it's not much more complicated than that, right? <laughs> seven wins gets you to the bowl season. Maybe you get eight. The other teams you got to play are NC State, Pittsburgh, Miami, and Wake Forest. All gettable. If you get one or two of those games, possibly, then you've had yourself a season. You've had yourself a season. You maybe get to nine wins. So 
but you got to win those gimmies. You you got to hit you got to hit those snowbirds. When, you know when you're <laughs> when you're playing basketball, right? Um, you can't give those up. So Virginia Tech, all important, must win. Tommy Ashley special um, next weekend. Let's hope there's not a hurricane uh, in the mix, uh, like there was a that game that need not be spoken about. Um, was sixteen? Was it sixteen? Yeah. Was it Trubisky's? Yeah. Year as yeah. a starter. Yeah. You cannot uh, – yeah, if they're supposed to be hurricane on Saturday and the PTPs don't push that game to Sunday, uh, then that pretty much answers any remaining questions about where this program is. Because if my memory serves, it was absolutely gorgeous on Sunday after that Saturday game. And I think Florida – I think South Carolina moved their game. Whatever. Anyway. Several people did, and North Carolina chose not to. Yeah. And yeah. ate it on yeah. Saturday – on that Saturday. Jason, this must win, right? This must win for a, a ton of reasons, the record probably being the last of them on my list. Yeah, I mean, this is a program that Virginia Tech's not a good, not a good football team right now. Uh, and it's a program with a new coach that they're searching for any possible thing that they can sell on the, on the recruiting trail with a new staff. This is where you've absolutely got to kick them when they're down and you want to kick them and kick them and kick them again so that, you, you know, when they're trying to sell things on the recruiting trail, on, you know, their, their recruiting territory overlaps a lot with Carolina's. You want to make sure that, that those players who, who you're competing for uh, understand who, who the big brother is in that relationship. That, you want to absolutely do that. And like Buck said, it's about getting to where you've, you've, you take care of the games that you, that you should win so that you have seven wins. You bank those seven wins, and you're playing with house money the rest of the way because that's a gettable Miami team, as we just saw. That Pittsburgh team is, is gettable. That's a good Pittsburgh team, but they're gettable. And that NC State team is the inverse of North Carolina. Their, their, their defense is like Carolina's offense, and their offense is like Carolina's defense. So that's going to be a competitive game. So, you know, the, again, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, coming out of this game, Carolina is still three and one. Like this is where you, realistically speaking, coming into the year, I feel like I'm doing Nick Saban thing with the hands. Um, realistically speaking, uh, coming into the season, if any of us, if if Carolina's coaching staff had been told. Okay, Carolina's three and one with a you know a loss to Notre Dame where Notre Dame kind of bludgeons you, but you're three and one coming out of the off, uh, coming into conference play. You're going to take it. Yes, I think every single person, coaches included, knowing what we knew about this Carolina team at the beginning of the year, knowing what we knew about the schedule, would say, "Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it," because you know, look, this team could absolutely be two and two or or worse given some of the injuries that they've had and all of that, they're three and one going into, into conference play in a division and with the schedule that they, they can actually, they can win. They can beat every team remaining on the schedule, regardless of what we saw coming in. Now I'm not feeling real good about that Wake Forest passing game, but you know, you look at the rest of that schedule and they take care of business at Virginia tech or uh, against Virginia tech and then go on the road to Miami 
they've got a chance to to you know put themselves in the driver's seat of the of the division right there. So yeah, I think it's a must win. I think the program is still, I think this team is still in position to be able to hit every goal that they realistically had coming into the season. They just need to improve in certain areas. And I think, you know, some of that is going to be a matter of, of embracing the culture that's needed uh, and, and really seeing some of that accountability and, and, and uh, commitment to improving the little things that, that get you off the field on defense. But this, is, this team still has all of its goals in front of it. And I see no reason that they can't actually hit those goals. They are stacking up dots. Virginia Tech will be another opportunity for a dot. We've had a lot of questions answered. We, we talked about get right games. Notre Dame got theirs on Saturday. Can Carolina get theirs next Saturday? Uh, we shall see. It is a three and one going into ACC play. And, and you're right. Let's be honest. The Coastal sucks, period. And Carolina uh, just needs to stink a little less at times, on, on especially on one side of the ball, to get it done. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. Jason, we'll talk later in the week. Buck, I will see you hopefully next weekend down in the Bowls lot. Stay tuned, everybody, for the uh, family of Inside Carolina podcast, Taylor Vipolis with Ingersoll and EJ, uh, Joey, and Coast to Coast, On the Beat Live, Game Plan Live, Ross and Shotmer, everything. We got a ton of stuff going on. Taylor and Justin Jackson later in the week. Just a lot going on at Inside Carolina. Johnny T-Shirt's our sponsor. It's always a pleasure. Peace out.